millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. On this week's podcast, we talk about everything from Peter Drury joining NBC to record-breaking viewing numbers for the UEFA Champions League, plus USMNT and Mexico national team games coming up, and everything in between. And this week, we have a special guest joining me. It's Felipe Cardenas from The Athletic. Felipe, welcome to the show. Hey, happy to be here, Christopher. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. Thank you. So this, let's dive in, Felipe. I, you're someone that I've been uh, reading and following for quite some time in terms of a lot of your great articles on, on several different topics, whether it's uh, Carretero, what happens in Mexico with the violence there, which is a really great investigative piece, as well as, of course, the media business and, and many of the topics, Atlanta United, etc. But how did you get your start? I mean, what was the the beginning? Uh, what, what was uh, Felipe Cardenas before the Athletic? <laughs> uh, it's it's a question that I, I I really enjoy answering because I think there are I, actually I know there are a lot of people, men and women, young men and women that want to get into the business. Wonder how you can get into journalism. I I studied communication in college. Uh, I, I played soccer in college, and then after that, like I've always been a writer. My my job has always been has always entailed writing, and I was in the advertising industry for a very long time, for fourteen, fifteen years. Uh, and around 2018, 2017, 2018, I just I, I went. I started a passion project, which was uh, a soccer blog. It was called the Near Post Run, and I, I covered a lot of what I do now, which sort of just you know European football uh, analysis, uh, news. I would analyze you know world football news on my own. And around that same time, uh, the Athletic was launching their soccer vertical, and so this was 2018. And Paul Tenorio, who's our national soccer writer, reached out to me, said, "I read your blog. It's good." Do you want to write for us? And at the time, I was a creative director at a, at a local agency here in Atlanta. And so I did that on the side. I wrote for The Athletic on the side as a freelancer. And this was obviously around the time when Atlanta United was is the season that they won MLS Cup. They had uh, uh, Tata Martino was the, the coach. It was a South American culture, a lot of South American players. And and me having been born in Colombia but raised in the United States, like I I am just very close to South American football culture, uh, and, and that was a big part of why Paul Tenorio reached out to me. He said, "You speak Spanish, you you can understand these guys, you can do the interviews, uh, you know, come join us." And so I did that for the entire season of 2018 freelance, and starting 2019, I I left my job in advertising, and I've been a full time. A journalist reporter with the athletic ever since so like you mentioned i cover soccer media international football i cover the nation the mexican national team as well uh atlanta united when when there's a story to be had in mls i think we all sort of just take it uh as a team so it's been great so far now having a previous role as a creative director and working in an industry advertising marketing how does that help you when you're looking at or analyzing or, or interviewing uh, people within the media business, specifically soccer? It's it's interesting because I part of the reason why I, I, I think I fell into this job seamlessly is because of the my ability to just always been in a writing environment. But marketing, branding, social media, customer engagement, strategy, I think that is a lot of what we do when we cover football and we cover soccer yeah the the game and the players the coaches they are all their own brand uh the the networks that we're covering on the media side cbs univision espn fox uh they have a, a strong social media presence the personalities there for the networks uh are really engaged on social media and so i think a lot of that just just crossed over when i became when i started writing full-time for the athletic 
And, you know, editorially, it, it was a nice fit for, for someone like me and even some other writers on our team to, to go out and cover the sport in a way that is pretty unique. I think that is that is the ask from The Athletic. What can we do that is different, that is differentiated from the other outlets that are covering the, the sport, maybe covering the same story? And so it is an interesting question. I think I still think like a marketer. I still think from a brand uh, and product perspective, obviously, I'm a big soccer junkie as well. I love to analyze the sport and I love to write about it. But together, I do think it makes like just it makes an interesting piece when when you sort of take all that into consideration and the way the sport is evolving. Is there one particular club that you look at and think, OK, in terms of the brand, in terms of how they market themselves, in terms of creative side of things um, that does the, not the perfect job, but the near perfect job? Oh, you put me on the spot there. Um, well, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll give think, you, I'll, I'll give ahead, you mine. I'll, I'll give you mine, just because in the back of my mind, I already had had a name in mind. Just be, sure. in terms of, uh, and, and that's a team I don't follow. I, mean, I, don't, I don't support, but it's uh, Manchester City. And I think when they, uh, you mean basically the most recent uh, uh, owners of the club, the way that they branded that club, and and then also in terms of you know, NYCFC and then kind of the whole family of of sites. But even in terms of um, the soccer website coverage, like I was amazed. I think it was like International Champions Cup maybe a few years ago. Um, and usually in Miami, I've gone to a bunch of games and, and there'll be like the one person from the club. Man City must have had a team of about six to seven people for the social media team. They were all over the place taking photographs, doing interviews, doing camera work. And I was just... As one example, just blown away by how much uh, attention they gave to that. Well, most other clubs kind of will do the bare minimum. It's a good shout. And, and they have a, pr- a presence here in the United States as well. I think they've done well on the social media side of Manchester City to, to obviously connect with the fan base here. You've got me thinking. I mean, I I, I think the, the, the club that popped in my head when you asked me, and this isn't because they've done just a fabulous job but i do think it's they're they're very relevant right now and that was paris saint germain psg you know Mm -hmm. when they signed uh lionel messi over the summer there you could see the intent there obviously yes they took the opportunity to essentially uh hijack lionel messi from barcelona from a, a sinking ship and they wanted to buy the best player in the world. Uh, but they also knew that engagement was important. I think they see uh, the brand PSG as beginning to cross over into the United States, South America, throughout Africa, Asia. They want to be that club. I think they see themselves, this is my own opinion, as they can be Manchester United, which is a, a club that is very popular around the world, especially in parts of Asia, uh, India as well. And so when they signed Messi, uh, you know, just the Instagram uh, post that uh, that was sort of that revealed the signing had over 80 million views uh, wow. it, it, from the video that confirmed his signing. Actually, that that was the tease of the video that confirmed his, his signing on August 10th. Uh, had over 24 million views. Uh, PSG, uh, and this is, I'm, I'm reading from a story that I wrote because I wrote about this. 5.6 million Instagram followers were gained in a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was due, that was per Newsweek, who also reported on that. And so there you can see the, the, the production value, the uh, the, the the intent here from these clubs, I think they're investing more in social media production, video especially, uh, and you're going to see these clubs continue to grow on TikTok, on Instagram, and and just really attract the younger audience. So I think that's another thing. Like in, in working in advertising, you're always looking at the the younger audience, the younger demographic, the bicultural mm-hmm. demographic. How can we get them? And I think football, soccer is doing the exact same thing. And I think any any given weekend you go to soccer parks or you know, in places where kids are playing soccer or, or teens, and you see so many so many PSG shirts uh, throughout the United States. I mean, different games have gone or travel soccer or tournaments, and sometimes it's just kids wearing it, whether it's Neymar or uh, Mbappe or, or, or Messi. The strange thing, to, to me at least, the strange thing though is too is you would imagine kind of. Uh, that be in sports is viewing numbers for uh, league earned games with PSG would be just through the roof that all these people would be tuning in. But what happens is it ends up being champions league. I mean, that's the place they go to, to watch uh, PSG. It's not uh, the French league, um, which is strange, right? 
It is. And, you know, I, I had a conversation with um, a representative from League from League on who is his he's tasked with really international expansion. I had this conversation with him a few weeks, uh, a few months ago. And, you know, they, they they understand that they they feel like they have some of the best players in the world in their league. And they are they're going to continue to attract audiences in the United States. And those ratings will go up. Um, you know, I, I don't think I think we can all agree that, yes, French football is just not the most popular league uh, in the United States, it's comp- it's at the it's competing with the Premier League with now with Serie A's resurgence, uh, La Liga, uh, and this is in spite of having Lionel Messi, the best player in the world, there. And so, and BN has always been. I, I, you tell me, like I, I feel like BN has always been this obscure network. Like either you have it or you don't. And and right. if you don't have it, you have no idea what's what's ha- what's going on in the in, in the BN ecosystem. Uh, and so they they still see PSG League One still sees this relationship as a valuable one. I think they're looking at other leagues, is what I was told. They're looking at the NBA and the, how the, the way the NBA has expanded internationally. And and that is really the the bar for them. How can they bring French football uh, to a greater audience? And again, we've we've seen the the the, the quotes after Mbappe decided to, to 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 say no to Real Madrid and stay in in in, in League One with PSG, and they see it as a major victory for that league. And so mm-hmm. perhaps that is what takes that moves them moves them up the ladder as far as viewership and international football in the United States. But surely that having Mbappe stay at PSG, I think will do wonders perhaps gradually for the league and around the world. So, so two teams that you cover very closely, Atlanta United and the, the Mexican national team, I would argue from a, from a branding perspective and from kits and from in terms of promotion and, and everything that goes into, you mean, the product, so to speak, in, in quotation marks, that Atlanta United and Mex- the Mexican national team are, are shining examples in terms of the Mexican national team, especially in terms of the kits, the colors. Um, Atlanta United, too, do a really good job of marketing themselves. Would sure. you agree? I agree. Yeah, I think they... We can start with with the Mexican national team because they are just a, a monolith. There, it is an absolute machine, uh, a money generating machine. Uh, FMF, especially anything that they do in the United States, and they partner with Adidas. They've been with Adidas for some time. Every kit launch from Mexico is highly, highly success- successful. And to your point, you know, Mexico. Yes, I cover the national team from a footballing perspective. But I've written about kit launches. I've written about the controversy of Mexico not having a, a green kit until a World Cup year and why Adidas does that. And, and sort of the, the, the reaction from Mexican fans, both in Mexico and the United States. And whether they like the jerseys or not, they go and buy them. It is just it is automatic. They will buy the jerseys. Uh, that sort of passion for Mexico stateside is I feel it's just unprecedented for any other country here in, in North America. And so uh, it, it is really interesting to see those trends continue to be strong. And Atlanta United is a very well-established brand in, in MLS. I think, you know, in North America, perhaps a ways to go. But at the height in 2018 and even in 2019, uh, it, I think the people I spoke to around Liga MX were, were obviously very aware of Atlanta United because of Tata Martino. And I think they started really well from a brand engagement perspective. Uh, since then, you've as the as there's been a lot of turnover at the club. I think from a social media perspective, there's room for improvement. But they are still, I believe, the only MLS club with over a million followers on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that is that that's a huge number. They they I do know that they put a lot of emphasis and effort into their social media engagement and they want to be a big brand. And I think in order to do that there are steps to be taken, but it's certainly one that Atlanta has started out really well. And and they they were for those first few years really a shining example of what to do, how to launch a brand and a and a new club in MLS. Yeah, and I would say too, li- living in Florida, um, 
you don't see a lot of MLS shirts that often, but when you do, if you do, mostly they're, they're Atlanta United most most of the time, right? Uh, right. Or yeah, some they, or some strange kind of like like I don't know, I don't know kind of a uh, LA Galaxy shirt from like ten years ago, so, some like like random shirt. But but Atlanta United definitely has a strong brand, and I think from what we see too in Florida, oftentimes if, if it's people from Georgia going on vacation to Florida or, or just hanging out, whatever doing what they're doing. Oftentimes they're wearing those Atlanta United shirts. They're really, really proud of that club. Right. And, and and that's going to continue, I think, despite perhaps the the decline of of the of Atlanta United on the pitch and, and the turnover that they've had from a coaching perspective. Uh, it, the, the fan engagement is, is still very high, and I think they're just—they've just become a, a football club, a soccer club. They go through ups and downs, and and their their fans uh, educate themselves, and and they want to be heard, and and so you, I think you see that you've seen that transformation from Atlanta uh, on the field and on social media. Uh, they're very vocal. The fans are. They'll tell mm-hmm. you that that they're not happy with what's happening, uh, but th- but they are a club that yes, like I think. The, the, the league sort of looks to them to to, to be an influencer um, from from everything from the, the the coaches that they hire the players that they bring in uh, and and unfortunately I do feel like they've fallen into this this tra- Adidas trap the template trap the, if you will <laughs> right. of, the, yeah. of the, the the MLS kits but they came out out of the gate with with a very nice looking first home kit. Uh, and they are in similar to, to Mexico. Obviously, the numbers are, are, are not close, but I do feel like Atlanta has that, a similar pull. When they launch a kit, even if the plans don't really like it, I think they're going to go and get it. All right. So let's move on to um, some of the TV streaming news. And, and from this past week, uh, a couple of major stories that came through. Uh, of course, there were many, many ones, um, other ones too. But the, the two that kind of uh, jumped out at us here, the first one is uh, Real Madrid against Liverpool um, in terms of the viewing numbers on this one. The most watched Champions League final of all time in U.S. history. Uh, this one, a total of 5.3 million viewers. Uh, CBS Sports had uh, 2.7 million viewers. Uh, beating Univision, uh, Univision, two point mm. six million. So um, definitely, I, I was surprised by this because, like Real Madrid, if I had to pick two teams to be the best representation of a viewing audience on the Spanish language side, I would say Real Madrid. Uh, on the English language side, I would still probably say, even though they're not doing that well. Manchester United in terms of fan base, kind of a devout fan base in large numbers, hardcore to the core, and then probably Liverpool number two, and then Chelsea number three. So uh, in many ways, it became almost a dream final, Mm -hmm. or you could say a dream final for both uh, CBS and Univision. But I'm a little bit surprised here, Felipe, as far as the numbers and CBS beating Univision, uh, beating Real Madrid. What's your overall take on this? I mean, is this a a sign of things to come in terms of the future too, or like where, where CBS might run away with it? Yeah, I don't know if they'll run away with it, but it's certainly a, vi- a big victory for CBS. I mean, let's be honest; it's it's a it's a new product for them. I think this is their second, third year. It's 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 hard to to, to remember. They start. I think they started right. 2020, and and no one wants to go back to 2020. But uh, they they've really uh, elevated the product from where it was before with Turner Sports. And I remember when when Real Madrid and Liverpool officially qualified uh, for this final. Uh, and the all English final uh, of Manchester City and Liverpool was no longer. Uh, and I sent a tweet saying, you know, this is going to be huge for CBS. It's going to be huge because it was going to be on big CBS. Yes, they would they would stream, but it was they were going to bring that audience into CBS. They weren't getting the all English final who the studio team when we were on a call before the final. Uh, I asked I asked them, like, what is is it bigger now? Is it a bigger final when you have Real Madrid and Liverpool versus Man City and Liverpool? And I think the the response was interesting. Car- Jamie Carragher saying, like, you know, even him, he doesn't love an all English final. And I think that's what Champions League football should be. The two best teams from different countries. I think I think it just these were two of the biggest brands in world football. And for Univision, yes, for Univision it does bring Real Madrid bring, brings another level of uh of fandom. Uh it, it's it, there are so many Latinos in the United States that are Real Madrid fans and they really brought it. But for CBS who has 
I think, started a trend as far as uh, the sort of talent selection that they have, the tone of their their studio shows, uh, the overall production value of what European football and European competitions should be. Uh, it's younger, it's looser, it's a combination of it can be formal at times, it's informal at others. And, and that has been, I think, a, a, a big draw. It's not for everybody. And it, ha- I, it had to grow on me as well, personally, if, I, if I'm honest. Uh, but it certainly has brought in an important audience. And it, we're talking about the biggest club tournament in the world. So really no surprise that the numbers were high. But yes, a little bit surprised that CBS actually won this one over ABC on. Yeah, CBS, you have to look at the, the talent in the studio. And it's hard to imagine English language speaking pundits that are bigger names than these. I mean, Thierry Henry, mm-hmm. Jimmy Carragher, Peter Schmeichel. Michael Richards is not kind of those one of those big names, but he's entertaining, that's for sure. Right. Uh, and again, he's the type of person that's kind of divisive in a way that some people don't like that style where it's overly uh, jokey or overly... But he's got a, kind of infectious laughter. And, mm-hmm. and to me, it, it definitely... Uh, sometimes it goes over the top a little bit too much, but but oftentimes it it's fun. It's lighthearted, um, and there's a little bit of banter between kind of the the Manchester City and the, and the Liverpool and the Man United. So uh, from a Premier League perspective and from an English language perspective, um, it, it's it's pleasing to watch. Now, if you're a Real Madrid fan and, and you're an English language. Uh, person or speaks someone who speaks English then you might be like eh, this is really not coverage for me it doesn't speak to me so you may go to Univision and say okay well I'm going to watch that there at least there'll be a little bit more uh, kind of centric to um, their analysis or maybe not so uh, kind of uh, in in favor of of the the Premier League teams and and that's hard though too oftentimes um, to find somebody who's an expert on Real Madrid on the same set as Liverpool, because oftentimes, you mean, the talent is hired months in, in advance. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But but this does send a big signal, I, I think, uh, Felipe. You, you wrote a story, I think it was uh, last year, actually, about Univision and, and when they... Um, in terms of their TV bat- battle or TV ratings battle with, with CBS. And at that time, uh, some of the quotes from uh, Univision or U- Univision were, uh, were less boring than the, the Anglo presentation. And we're, we're way more fun with, with the way we do our color commentating. And I would, I would agree with both of those things. I, I mean, the, sometimes the Anglo side is boring, if, especially if the match doesn't live up to its hype. It can be boring. And sometimes the color commentating is, is boring because it's more matter of fact. It's kind of, you know, here's what happened, analyzing a situation. But that's the type of um, broadcast that we've been brought up on for many of us. That's what we're used to. It is. And I'll tell you what, from, from talking for that story, uh, and and I, what I came away with from speaking to executives at Univision was they 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 are competing. It is very much a competition and they are open about it and they're confident in, in the products that they have, in the talent that they have, in the production value that they that they have right now, in the future of the network and the way that the demographics are changing the, in the United States. They feel like they're just in the best spot possible and with room to grow. And I agree. You know, I grew up, like I said, I grew up in a South American household, a Spanish speaking household. uh, And I'm used to seeing and hearing uh, and experiencing soccer broadcasts from a a Latino perspective where it's louder. It's it's more energetic. The analysis is 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 a bit deeper. And you have a combination of sort of an eccentric play by play person paired with a more tempered and analyst Mm -hmm. and and that's something that i just became used to and that's what you get from univision you uh, the difference between cbs and univision right now is like i feel like you know what you're getting with univision you're getting 
top analysts that have been covering these competitions for decades, literally decades. And then they do a great job of bringing in the uh, new analysts, new voices for every game. They have Bam Bam Samorano, Ivan Samorano, who's just he's done such a great job uh, with Univision. Christo Storchkov has his own yeah. style as well. Uh, and Javier Sanetti, the former Argentina captain, Inter Milan legend, I think is coming into his own as well. I think he brings that that prototypical Argentine style of analysis uh, that is a bit baritone, a bit slower pitched, but he's paired with Luis Omar Tapia, who is just a, a, a living legend, if you will. Uh, and and so that I think that is is cool, and, and it's a great alternative to have, even if you're not a, a Spanish speaker, and they know it. And so CBS, I do think, on the other, on the flip side, you know, on the same call that we had with with the CBS talent before the Champions League final, Pete Radovich, you know, their their senior creative director, executive producer, was just as confident, compare, saying that he, that he would line up his show with with other sports shows in the United States, but at the same time, knowing that they're not, they haven't hit it big time. They they have they're not perfect, and so I like it. I like the competition here. I think it's healthy and it's it's great for the viewers, no doubt. Yeah, two things on that too. I think it's interesting how CBS Sports has positioned their producer Pete Radovich, who, who we've interviewed. You, you've interviewed a uh, very likable guy. He knows his stuff and uh, has definitely added a flair to CBS's sports's coverage of, of soccer. But it's interesting though too that um, I mean, kind of the NBC Sports top producer, the ESPN top producer, uh, so on and so forth. Fox too is more behind the scenes. Um, you and I probably know those people and, and have probably spoken to them before, um, but it's not often that we get to uh, an opportunity to interview them on, on a press conference. So it, it, it's, I think, in a way, with CBS, what they've done is um, on the creative side, is said like, hey, this is an important part of our um, blueprint, so to speak, for uh, covering soccer. This producer is making a lot of the key decisions, and, and he has a team of people that are working with him uh, to get everything right. But almost like kind of having him in, in a creative position to say, hey, he's he's there. He's going to answer your questions. He's going to talk about why they do uh, things a certain way. The second point, I, uh, and this is more of a question, Felipe, to you, is do you think there's a way to blend the two different styles together? Mm. Kind of the, the, the Latin, Spanish language, very excitable, very passionate, extremely passionate, um, the goal calls. And then the English side, English language side, which is more reserved, more kind of matter of fact, more statistics perhaps at times. Um, and sometimes using um, using silence to to accentuate yeah. your, your your commentating, is, is there a way to blend the two together to make it work? I think so, and I, I want to briefly touch on your first point. I agree that uh, creatively CBS has has made a big strides and an effort to to showcase. Uh, you know that that creative strength that they have in house, and I wrote about it recently with their Serie A coverage. The way they've really uh, doubled down on on the on a specific a specific style of teaser, a documentary style uh, teaser that they do for each one of their broadcasts, whether it's Champions League, U.S. Men's National Team, Concacaf, or Serie A, they they have a tone, a style. Uh, and they've taken chances with different sort of talents, people perhaps untraditional talents mixed with the the more recognizable voices. So I think that is something that's that's working in their favor and something to make note. Perhaps other networks will do the same. Creatively, they know what they're doing. So, but I do think that there is a way to bring both Spanish English commentary together. And and right now there are some very very good bilingual. Uh, play-by-play people that are doing this every single day, covering Copa Sudamericana, Cop- covering Copa Libertadores in English mm-hmm. with a very Spanish-first perspective. Yep. Um, and and I do believe that that's that is the future. You know, that is the future. That the the audience right now that both Univision and CBS really wants to attract are, you know, I think the 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 span this the. the essentially third generation latinos that speak english at home english is their is their first language but they are around this uh, a latino culture uh, and they are really consuming content in both languages uh in a way that uh, is bringing the sport 
to these households in a different way, digitally streaming, uh, you know, Spanish speakers, Latinos in the U.S., U.S. Hispanics. Uh, they trend upwards as far as technology goes. It's like they are on their phones all the time. They're multi-screeners. And so that is the future. I totally agree. And I, I, I think about that often, Christopher. If you, if, honestly, mm-hmm. like I, I'll watch a game and think, you know, th- th- it's possible to have a, 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 that sort of voice where you're getting the South American goal calls. You're getting that sort of uh, uh, the tone, the, the experience, the feeling the culture of a game on your television, uh, but also perhaps the best of both worlds. So I, I don't, it, perhaps it's not the easiest thing to do, but I think there's talent out there that can make it happen. Yeah, for sure. And, and uh, a recent example for me, at least, was um, Copa Libertadores watching one of the games. And I think it was Boca Juniors against one of the, the Brazilian sides. But um, the game is pr- pretty decent, but, but um, English language commentary by Juan Arango, and during the the commentating, he, it 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 sounded almost like he was singing. It was like really, <laughs> and it made me laugh. It made, made, made me made me smile more than laugh. It made me like kind of laugh, kind of smile and go like, "Wow, that's really good." How he's able to really kind of take something and turn it into something really really interesting. Where it was like, "Oh wow, that that's I haven't heard that before." I've heard that in the Spanish language commentary where there is sometimes more of a. I mean, not singing, but but kind of pl- playing with with. I mean, just playing with words and yes, yes. So so absolutely, yeah. There's, there's definitely room for uh, opportunities there for sure. I mean, I'm used to watching games when I watch Colombia, the national team. Like, I have to find like a weird stream to get the game on my <laughs> computer, and I still can't believe that after a goal, there's like salsa music in the background. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's what I grew up with. That's and awesome. Still doing it. So, uh, so yeah, it's it's definitely perhaps we don't go that route, right? Uh, but but I think anything that's more exciting, more engaging, you know, it's certainly that's the future, no doubt. Yeah, and and. To me, that's entertaining. I mean, that to me, that's that's really. You know, I mean, that's part of the the show, part of the the game. Yeah. Um, so the other big news item out this week was that uh, Premier League coverage in the United States is going to change, uh, starting in August when uh, NBC Sports starts up their uh, new contract, uh, which they're renewed for another six years. Uh, what it means is that a lot of the contracts with talent also. Um, ended at the end of the season. So Ola White, uh, Rebecca Lowe, the two Robbies, etc. And uh, it was revealed this this week that uh, NBC Sports decided not to renew the contract for Ola White. Instead, the key decision makers there at uh, NBC Sports have decided to hire Peter Drury, who's arguably the world's uh, one of the, the world's top uh, English language soccer commentators. Uh, what's interesting, I think, I think, is Peter Drury's is not a um, kind of a uh, a very... I, mean, I guess he's more reserved. He's not the type of person who's going to be, uh, like Arlo, kind of doing a lot of the, the pitch-side commentaries and hosting things. He's more of your old traditional school, old-school uh, traditional commentator. But uh, So a big change here, definitely. But but what's your opinion, Felipe, about, about this uh, big change that NBC made? It was big news. It's big news. Uh, you know, Arlo White, uh, without a doubt, the voice of the Premier League in, in the United States, one of them at least, one of the most popular. Uh, and uh, for for NBC to make this move to decide we were ready for a different voice, in my opinion, I think Peter Drury and Arlo White are different in, in many ways. I think so many times we just assume that uh, a British speaker, a British play play by play is going to be the same no matter who's in the who's in that chair. But I think they are different styles. And you know, I, it's interesting because NBC is the standard they're the, they're, They've set the bar so high as far as what broad football and broadcast must look like, sound like, feel like in the United States. But like I mentioned before, I think there there is a, a shift happening in, in, in bringing a looser format, combining that with high end studio production and, and elite talent. Yes. But, you know, I was reading some of the comments in the Syria story that I wrote for The Athletic recently. And a commenter said, sometimes I watch NBC's Premier League coverage and I think that it's, it's as if they're commenting on a funeral, um, <laughs> you know, and, and I went back to what Pete Radovich told me. He's like. Are we saving lives here? No, it doesn't have to be that serious. And even though the talent at NBC for Premier League, you know, Rebecca Lowe, the the two Robbies, as you mentioned, 
uh, are very good, I feel like they have an opportunity to, to, to make a bit of a change, to change the tone a little bit. I think the audience would be open to it. They know the brand already. Yep. Uh, and, 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 and I think what's more interesting, and perhaps you have more on this than I do, is you know, really what is next for Arthur White? You know, he, he is the, the voice of the Chicago Fire for, for MLS, and certainly this is not a bad time to be a free agent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's been nine years of NBC coverage since 2013 now to 2022. So in terms of my thoughts on, on Arlo, um, it was exciting in the beginning for many, many years, but then like the last few years, it, it started to sound repetitive or it, it was I was almost wanting a, a breath of fresh air, like a different voice or so, something different. Um, so we've got that now for the next six years. But for Arlo, I mean, really, the sky's the limit now, because I mean, I think a lot of this in terms of Ted Lasso um, and his cameo appearances on that show have helped him in terms of um, even further establish his credibility in the United States. So so whether it's Fox Sports and the World Cup coverage uh, later this year from Qatar, maybe Arlo could do some of the England games or some of the other games for the other countries. I mean, Arlo's done the Olympics in the past. Uh, then we've got the Major League Soccer uh, TV rights um, saga that just keeps on continuing on and on. But soon, I'm sure, maybe this month, we'll we'll have a uh, decision there and we'll find out for 2023 onwards who's that uh, kind of uh, top tier American broadcasters that's going to be showing most of the games. It, it is interesting because the way that we are, I mean, look, look, this year, basically, if you think about it, uh, CBS Sports, their number one uh, commentator is Clive Tilsley, who's one of the you know, kind of legendary English commentators, uh, still living in the UK, but that's okay. But he's been calling the games uh, for us in the United States. John Champion, one of the best also, uh, works for ESPN, moved to the United States. Uh, Peter Drury, as far as we know, is going to be staying in England uh, and then uh, the lead commentator for NBC Sports. So across all those names, um, Arlo's probably the other biggest one. So if Arlo could go to Fox Sports and join uh, John Strong and, and others, um, seems like a good fit, especially with all of the, the coverage that Fox has picked up. Um, so everything from the Euros, Euro 2024, 28, uh, Copa America, Gold Cup, et cetera, et cetera. There's so much content, so much programming. So I think Arlo would have plenty of work to do there. Um, you, you know, yeah. I I, agree, I just want to comment. Like, I I agree. I think it's a it's a big opportunity for Fox, perhaps, to 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 latch on to to this very recognizable voice. I agree. I feel like Arlo White, as as good as he is, as good as he has been, as important as he has been to the the brand, the Premier League brand in the United States. For me personally, uh, and, I, and again, I think television, I tell people that I interview on the TV side all the time, TV, especially live TV, it's very hard, very difficult. Um, but yeah, I think Arlo White, for me, became very formal when I would watch him and hear him on a Premier League broadcast. Very knowledgeable, obviously, but I, I think it was nearing that very traditional sense. And, and I think that's where the Premier League... Um, in the United States where the coverage can sort of can start to evolve. I also think Fox Sports, you know, especially on the English side, like you mentioned, they've just gobbled up all these these rights to, to big time tournaments. Uh, and I think they have an opportunity to to, to evolve a bit in the studio, uh, change the tone a little bit, keep, you know, establish something. You know, we do talk a lot about Stu Holden and John Strong. We've done a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but beyond that, like, who else is there? Who else is there? Uh, you know, John Paul De La Camera is doing the games, uh, the Nations League games. Very recognizable voice. But yep. I think Fox has a big opportunity, really, to, to, to change their perception as well and, and really take advantage of the properties that they acquired yeah and, and it also could be time for nbc sports to i mean i don't know yet but but in terms of the two robbies or graham lasso uh one of the co-commentators uh that, that works with arlo and, and lee dixon there's a possibility of some changes there too um and maybe some more diversity or maybe some some differences there in terms of hiring decisions that they have um for this summer so on that one, I'm sure um, either you, Felipe, or, or I will, will probably be covering that in detail once that information gets out there. Um, so one more thing before we go, and that's um, we have to talk about it for a little bit at least with the MLS uh, uh, TV media rights. 
Uh, this is a story that's been going on for almost a year now in terms of, I think it was last summer that Fox went exclusively to um, its current rights holders, ESPN, Fox, and, and Univision, and said, hey, we, we want to give you an opportunity. You're the current rights holders. Uh, let us know what you, if you'd like to renew. Let us know what you're interested in. What, 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 what's working? What's not working? Let, let's talk about it. Let, let's let's go through there. A year later, it looks like we're back in the same same spot, pretty much, other than Apple TV. But but what about Univision? I mean, like, Univision seems to be, especially with Leaks Cup and the expectations for that for next year. That that seems to be on the on the MLS growth charts. I think uh, Univision is one of those ones that keeps on going up and up and up in terms of uh, the the growing number of Hispanics in the United States um, and how MLS fits within that. But what's your take on that? I mean, do you think uh, Univision is going to go for more the same of what they've had in the past or not? I, I don't think so. You know, and in, in speaking to uh, a source at Univision that's been very close to these negotiations with Major League Soccer, from what I can gather and from what I've, I've been told, uh, it, the scope of what the scope of work, I think, is what they are, are really looking to change. And in very in very specific ways, you know, Univision has been a great partner for MLS, and I do feel like based on the conversations I've had, is that they they see the league as missing out on some important opportunities from a broadcast perspective. I think there's there are too many games, there are too many teams. Uh, I heard the word cannibalizing once that the league is cannibalizing itself on on weekend match days fans don't know what to watch it's difficult for the pro, for, for for programmers to 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 really cover these games the way that they like at least cup is going to be very important to Univision. they know it they know it because they have the product proof mm-hmm. as as far as Liga mx and the way that they draw audiences primetime coverage is very important to Univision, and appointment viewing to them is what they would like to to really change for, regarding their MLS coverage, build brands like bring the the the, the brands and and Major League Soccer that have the best fan bases, the most passionate fan bases that have Latino uh, fan bases like the LA teams, Inter Miami, uh, even Atlanta United, which is a big brand as we have we have we've discussed, and put those teams together and put those matches on prime time and attract. Uh, the viewership in that way, uh, you know, I think the scope of work is what they want to change. They want to stay committed to the league, but they want to start to shift some of the strategies based on what they know is working. And so, you know, rivalries. I, I've had conversations with with people I want to be seeing about how do, how do how does MLS create national brands? You know, yep. that isn't happening yet. MLS has done a great job locally, regionally. You see that in the MLS attendance numbers. But beyond that, it's it's not a national product yet. And that is what I think Univision excels at, is is, is really elevating a, a product and a club and bringing these club cultures and traditions together. So that that's where I see Univision wanting to be in these MLS rights negotiations. But as you've been following, as my colleagues at The Athletic have been following, specifically Sam Stachel, it's it's been a, a head scratcher, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, in in I think the beginning of March or was it? No, it was end of February when Don Garber, the MLS commissioner, said we're going to be ready. I'm paraphrasing, but a deal at the end of March yep. and it's June, and so right. that does not bode well. We've seen the numbers, and and they're not good, and so uh, something has to happen. You know, perhaps expectations need to be lowered a little bit, and then go from there and gradually grow. Yeah, I think in in some ways too that um, in terms of trying to get that nat- national reach and that national interest, you almost have to develop it. And I think it's um, the whip around show is something where it doesn't exist right now with MLS. Like each weekend going into, I mean, usually like 7.30 Eastern time, you can go on ESPN Plus and there's sometimes half a dozen or more MLS games starting or overlapping at that time. And it's like, okay, which game do I watch? And I end up end up just kind of scrolling through and jumping from game to game to game and not really finding that, that kind of great match that's going to pull me in and just uh, blow me away. And I think... Um, We've seen this now with, with Goal Rush, with the Premier League. We've seen this. Um, Serie A did it on the final day of the season. Uh, the Golasso show, mm-hmm. uh, Zona Football from uh, Tuduene. So a lot of these programs have done a really great job of, I mean, for me personally, covering the Europa League without the Golasso show, 
forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. It would be just like, there's no way. But so if the schedule does stay the same, where there are a lot of games happening at the same time on a Saturday night, which is on a, on a local level, makes complete sense in terms of ticket sales and being the game, the, the, the game to watch on a Saturday night, is for the national audience that doesn't have an MLS club anywhere near them, you mean give them an opportunity to watch a whip around show that that kind of talks about the players and and gives them more uh, information about you mean why you should be watching this one what 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 the the factors are off the field or on the field some of the the, the kind of the stories. It's there. It's there for the taking. You know, I think uh, when we talk about shifts and trends and tone, you know, I, I want to shout out to you know ESPN has done that in a way. You know, I, I wrote a story about Football Americas and and and, and that that those Sebi Salazar and Herc Gomez they've taken a different approach to the way they cover the game. Uh, they're younger, bicultural. And they know the sort of audience that they're attracting. And they tried a whip around show recently for U.S. Open Cup. Yeah. Uh, and it was pretty well received. You know, I think it was just like a baby step. But clearly that that concept is is can be successful. You know, we've seen it with NFL Red Zone. That is sort of the 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 inspiration mm-hmm. behind a lot of these shows. And that's how a lot of viewers just that's how they'll watch games. That's how they would rather be informed about what's happening. Uh, and, and I think options are good. I think what we, th- throughout this conversation that we've had here today, I think that's what I take away. It looks like there are a lot of options for viewers, but uh, clearly MLS needs to take advantage of that and 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 i think step out of their comfort zone as well and, right and, and and just try to do something different take some risks that was what i was told from univc on take risks you know that was sort of like the the plea for mls to do that uh they're there to help you know univc is there to help them but if the the, the status quo is just not taking the league anywhere right now mm-hmm yeah, yeah, and and uh, Univision. I used to like the the Friday night games they, they used to have in the summertime. Sometimes, usually a double header with uh, Ramsey Sandoval um, in English, actually, and yeah. and Keith Costigan. They would do an English broadcast and and also Spanish broadcast, and those were great because those were something different. And it, uh, I'm sure, the numbers weren't through the roof, but it, it did. For, for a lot of people actually kind of bring in an audience that wasn't used to watching soccer on, on a Friday night when usually there's not much going on, but. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, yeah, absolutely. In terms of MLS getting out of its comfort zone, that's um, ho- hopefully there's um, some conversations going on there. All right, Felipe. So uh, <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show. First of all, I really, really appreciate it. I think uh, you're a perfect fit in terms of uh, what we talk about on on a weekly basis. But I want to uh, let you know. I mean, I want to see if you can uh, share share your where we can find you on social media. Uh, and on different websites and uh, also what stories you have coming up in the the next few weeks to, to the few months of course well first of all I, i'm a big fan of world soccer, soccer talk i always have been it's 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 an it's a news outlet for me it's where i get a lot of my information i get an email weekly email i follow you guys on twitter and, and so it's a pleasure to be on the show first time for me i listen to the podcast as well so i had a great time you can find me fans listeners uh on twitter at felipe Carr. you know be sure to follow the athletic soccer account at, at the athletic uh sccr and all our writers and you know i think for me it's a world cup year and so it's a big opportunity to to branch out you know we're, we're, we've been talking about this get out of our concert comfort zone that is what a world cup year will do for a writer as well so i'm going to step away a little bit from traditional coverage look at international football stories be close to the mexican national team and and all the drama that always surrounds them um, i'm helping out a little bit on the u.s men's national team coverage and of course uh any story that that pops up that we think is interesting uh you know we're going to cover at the athletic and so far i think we've done a great job but thanks for getting me on here and and, and letting me you know do a little bit of self-promotion always always a pleasure okay well it's great to have felipe on let's move on to the listener mailbag uh, Chris is first up talking about Apple TV Plus and MLS. And Chris says, uh, when it comes to Apple TV Plus uh, potentially pulling out of the bidding for the MLS rights, the main reason why I think they did so is because they are waiting to see what happens between DirecTV and the NFL in the next few months over the fate of Sunday Ticket. Now, Chris, uh, from what I understand, so last week we were reporting that uh, MLS, it looked like Apple TV Plus uh, was not interested any longer. Now we're hearing from uh, some additional sources, including some of Kartik's sources, that uh, now Apple TV Plus is back in and they're interested. So oftentimes with a lot of these uh, negotiations and discussions, it does go back and forth 
where it gets hot and cold where they're in and then they're not interested and then it comes back. But the latest we've heard that is that uh, Apple TV Plus is still in and still interested, mostly in the out-of-market um, coverage and then looking at uh, ESPN uh, picking up a smaller package of uh, television games um, for the big games. And then, of course, Univision, um, as Felipe mentioned, too, looking at uh, trying to uh, get some more big games and, and really kind of uh, have have uh, have a way to figure out how to broadcast these nationally and make it a big deal. Next up uh, is Drew. Drew says, MLS is in a difficult position. It won't go out of business anytime soon, but it's having trouble establishing itself as a major sports league in North America alongside the Big Four. The way I see it is that MLS teams have, for the most part, successfully built passionate and loyal fan bases, which help uh, create a game day atmosphere that resembles the big leagues of Europe and Latin America. The problem is that those same fans who are really into their team for the most part couldn't care less about the league as a whole. I'm definitely in this camp. I don't consider myself an MLS fan, just a fan of the team I follow. All right, listeners, um, so we've run out of time uh, to get to all of your questions and uh, feedback. So we'll go ahead and uh, we'll go through those next week in addition to any uh, comments that you may have. If you do have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, uh, be sure to reach out. We'd love to read your comment out on air. Uh, so through the website, it's worldsoccertalk.com, and then go to uh, podcasts, and then just put the comments in your comment section. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk. You can leave us a message there. On Twitter, we're at uh, worldsoccertalk. And I think that covers about everything right <laughs> in terms of the ways to reach us. But we, we'd love to re- uh, hear from you. Uh, thank you for listening. You can get a new episode usually every Thursday uh, on everything from Amazon Music, Spotify, uh, Pandora, Stitcher, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Audio Boom, Overcast, and of course, WorldSoccerTalk.com. And if you like the show, we'd really appreciate it if you can give us a review on iTunes or Apple Music or Google Play. So on behalf of the whole team here at World Soccer Talk, uh, big weekend ahead. Enjoy your football.